Hi, Catherine. It's a pleasure to have you on Better Tech today. So before we dive into the topic, let's have a quick introduction about yourself and what you do for our audience. Great. Thanks, Amna. It's great to be here. Uh, first of all, let me tell you a little bit about Walters Kluwer, my company. We help professionals, including doctors, lawyers, bankers, accountants, make better decisions. We do that with expert content and knowledge of their workflow enabled by technology, including things like artificial intelligence. So a great example is a product called UpToDate, which is actually used in over 160 countries around the world by doctors to help them make better diagnoses and treat patients. My role as CEO of Global Growth Markets is to create future growth for Walters Kluwer by focusing mm -hmm. on countries with big potential like China, India, and Brazil, but that still have markets that are relatively small in our areas of expertise. And I'm selling products that are both these global products and some locally developed products as well. My background is in marketing and product management, and I've had CEO roles actually in three of Walters Kluwer's four divisions over about 30 years. So it's really a great opportunity for me to use all of that experience, plus the relationships I've built around the company. And I've been in the role for about two years now. I'm loving it. I really miss being able to travel uh, during the pandemic, especially the food. Yeah. So you mentioned how you're dealing with global business and global markets. So do you also tap into emerging markets? Yes. I mean, I think it's, um, I, I feel a little bit uncomfortable calling these markets emerging. I think people in places like China and India and Brazil find it maybe a little bit insulting, right? Because these are really big and, and powerful markets yeah. and, and leaders in some industries, but maybe laggards in some others. Um, so we actually um, changed our name to Global Growth Markets for exactly that reason. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. And how has the pandemic affected the work that you're doing at Walter's Kluber? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's certainly, you know, had its um, had its challenges. And of course, for me, working with uh, the team in China, we were among the first to be impacted. And in January last year, we went from, you know, planning for a normal year to scrambling around trying to figure out, you know, um, how to how to deal with it and, and how to get masks for our um, employees. So, you know, um, as our uh, wonderful GM, uh, Christy Wong in China uh, described it to me, the first few days, like anybody would do, they just panicked. Um, and then they, they kind of pulled themselves together and, and started talking and we all talked together and uh, came up with a plan. And, um, you know, it involved things like, you know, webinars and, and uh, offers and, you know, social media um, and just customer outreach to check in and ask how, how we could help. Um, so we started doing that and uh, was really appreciated by customers and, and also employees really just appreciated having a clear focus and mission. Um, and, and mm -hmm. it sort of grew from there. Um, and, um, you know, certainly in, in some ways, some things actually as, as customers sort of pick themselves up, up and move forward, um, some things continued on with a lot of momentum, some product lines, other ones were more challenged. Hospitals were very busy. So, you know, sales there slowed for a while. Um, we offered some products free for a while to some customers just because it was the right thing to do. Um, and also to, you know, be able to demonstrate our value, but then, you know, things sort of picked up uh, again over time. 
So do you think your leadership style had a role to play in how you were is you were able to kind of you know ease into that transition and work in an uncharted territory? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly for me, I live in the U.S. and I manage uh, a team in three different countries and in different time zones, different cultures. So um, certainly uh, in, in any circumstance, but coming into a pandemic, having strong relationships is very important. And I right. had invested a lot of time in building those relationships and in visiting in person, as well as, you know, spending time on the phone, um, you know, in terms of um, learning and, and, you know, developing personal relationships. So I think that certainly helps. Um, and, um, you know, I think as a, a company as well, um, you know, we have a lot of focus on understanding our customers and, and really focus on getting into their workflow understanding their needs and continuing to check in on that. And I think that's a really great unifying factor for a team to focus <laughs> in on customers and how things are changing for them because you know you can you can sort of figure out how to how to coordinate your actions once you know what is going on with the customer, right? Because that really drives everything. Um, and, and helps you make decisions uh, quickly. And then, um, you know, being able to make decisions quickly is important as well. So we did increase the, the frequency of our meetings during the pandemic uh, so that we could act, you know, more quickly when we needed to, to check in, um, you know, globally on decision-making. Um, so I think all of those things certainly uh, contributed to, to helping us manage through the situation. And of course, it's not over. Uh, it continues and, and we continue to, you know, to pivot and, and you know, be agile as things change. So since you manage businesses in different countries and you have a whole network, so I take it, but I could be wrong, but the way that you've structured your team and how it works, you are pretty like spot on with anticipating the cultural differences when it came to these different regions. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is um, one will, in my view, I will never be an expert on somebody else's culture. And in my experience, um, and, and I've always had interests in other cultures, I lived in Japan, actually, in my mid 20s. I love traveling. I've, I've traveled as long as was I've that for work or? Well, it was it was by choice, although I, I yeah. went there with the intention of finding work and I did I did work there um, for for a couple of years. So I did have the privilege of working there, which was very, very interesting and fun. Um, and um, and and what I have found is people don't expect you to know everything about your cult, their culture. But what they really appreciate is interest and curiosity. And so if you show that interest, even if you make a mistake, just the fact that you show that interest and you want to learn, they really appreciate that and they respond and being willing to, you know, ask, asking questions, being willing to, willing to learn, being willing to try mm -hmm. foods and, you know, share a meal, um, learn about holidays, all the cult, you know, customs. That's what I find really builds strong relationships with, um, with people from other, other cultures. Um, right. In fact, in many of my my one on one meetings with my employees, there's usually a few minutes of chit chat at the beginning, um, you know, about what what's going on in general. Could be things in the news or holidays or whatever. Um, and and it's a little bit of learning on on both sides, right, about each other's uh, yeah. life. 
Um, and I think that just helps with relationships. Absolutely. So what's something that you noticed about your customers that previously was overlooked prior to the pandemic? One thing is, um, you know, in, in some countries um, and, and in some parts of countries, infrastructure is, is not terrific. And I, and I think we are seeing that right now in, in India with the, the surge of the pandemic that's going on. You know, it's a really, really dire situation. Um, yeah. But when you look at how quickly they were able to pivot, all of these countries pivot to um, remote working, it, it was incredible. Um, you know, how quickly people were able to move to remote working. Um, and, um, you know, it, 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 um, I'm not sure anyone would have predicted, you know, in the US, let alone, you know, um, how many uh, countries were able to do it. Um, and, and something um, I don't know that, you know, anyone ever really thought about is in a lot of places, um, certainly within countries that, that I'm working with now, people are living in apartments. They're also often living in with multiple generations um, in apartments. So when they're working at home, everybody's there and interacting and somebody might be making dinner a few feet away. And, you know, um, it, it's, it's a, you know, busy, busy environment, right? It's not like everybody has their own room they can go off to necessarily. Internet mm -hmm. bandwidth yeah. isn't necessarily terrific, right? Um, so we tend to interact more on, on audio and than video. So again, I think the relationships are, are more important than ever. Um, just that sensitivity of, of assuming everyone's going to do things the same way that we might do them here um, is important. Um, but I, I think that um, certainly is, is, um, is, is something, you know, that, um, uh, that, that I noticed, you know, there, there are those subtle differences, but also something, and I think this is probably true everywhere, we noticed, you know, when you focus on providing great products and service and good times, when times are more challenging and people start mm -hmm. to have budget cuts, they really focus on the, the customers who provide the good support. So the fact that we were reaching out to people, the fact that we always focus on good service um, really did pay off for us in the pandemic. And we heard from so many customers about how much they appreciated what we did for them in general, but also apparently we were among the first to reach out and ask how could we help them. Um, and so and that's the difference. Speaking of those services, what which products and services exactly performed well during the pandemic and how do you see them performing in the next few years? Yeah, the um, I would say our legal and uh, tax products just continued with strong momentum throughout. Um, so I think, you know, because they're tied to government uh, compliance and uh, are used very much by larger companies who globally, I think, you know, got through the pandemic pretty strongly. Um, those really never lost momentum. Um, in the healthcare area, there was definitely a bit of a dip because hospitals were just overwhelmed for a time with dealing with the, you know, patient load. Um, and also, um, you know, residents, you know, students and residents were diverted to helping with the uh, pandemic or their teachers were diverted. So there yes. was definitely a bit of a blip. And then, you know, things started to come back later. Um, and, um, uh, and then I would say more like smaller companies, professional service firms were more impacted 
um, in the pandemic. And then I would say generally technology products were, you know, remain pretty, pretty steady. Print was, was impacted. And I think some of that will be permanent where people have moved to, you know, more technology and that will continue. Did you notice a surge in these technology services? Like may perhaps, you know, it's an, it's an obviously an unfortunate situation, but do you think this kind of augmented the demand for those services? Yeah, I definitely did. Yes, it definitely did uh, augment interest in technology where people had were remote working and they had to figure it out. So in India, for example, we saw a big increase in interest in um, practice management software for accounting firms because suddenly they had to work remotely and it was just so much more important. Or in China, where there actually already was a lot of demand for audit software because there's actually a shortage of qualified accountants there, so they need it okay. for productivity. We saw a big surge in a particular piece of technology that uses robotic process automation to process confirmation letters um, because um, you know there, there just was so much more need with remote working um, to, to be able to, to do that you know, at volume. Um, so definitely, you know, it, where there already was a trend, it accelerated, and where there wasn't a trend, we started to see one. So I think that will continue. Right. And in these changing times, how do you ensure that you obtain the right customer insights? Do you think that there's a one-size-fits-all kind of approach that you follow? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of my passion, um, customer insights. So I think... Um, there are certainly things that are common, and I think you know one of the reasons why this role is a good fit for me is I have a lot of experience in these businesses in different countries, having managed you know other global businesses that help because I've seen things before. On the other mm -hmm. hand, every country can be different, right? And especially a larger market, you don't want to make assumptions. We find sometimes product messaging that works in one market does not work in another market. So I think, you know, the, the, while there are general things that can be helpful, often the opportunities and the risks actually reside in some of the differences and the details. And actually, um, I was reading something in Harvard Business Review, and, and um, I um, don't have who, who made the quote, but it was, it was a um, quote around, you know, if you haven't been to China in six months, you haven't been to China. In these countries, things are changing really quickly. And having visited, yeah. especially China, actually, because I was first there in 1992, visited, you know, sort of every, you know, number of years since then. I mean, it is such an incredibly different place every few years. India, I started visiting maybe 10 years ago. And every few years, I mean, it's just, it, it looks like a different place, right? And so um, you need to stay in touch because things are changing that fast. So fortunately, there are a lot of low cost ways to do that, right? Regular surveys, interviews, right? Just brief interviews, asking customer facing employees, salespeople, customer service people, what are they seeing and hearing? Um, as a company, we've actually invested quite a lot in an internal capability around customer insight, where we do customer observation of work. We do structured interviews to really gain a quite deep understanding of workflow. Um, so we're, you know, really trying to build that capability around the um, global growth markets, countries. Um, we, we certainly invest in third party, you know, bigger market studies. We build relationships with key opinion leaders. Um, and, and I would say, you know, in general, what I'm finding in this role is some level 
of localization is usually required, whether around the product, the marketing messages, the, the market segmentation, mm-hmm. the sales process, something. You know, in one country, it might be the public sector is really the stronger segment in this pandemic or a situation. In another country, it's the private sector, right? I mean, it's, you really have to look at the specifics. So ha- has it ever been the case that you've come across significant consumer insights that you found to be consistent across regions? I mean, it's some general level, um, you know, yes. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, larger companies, you know, compliance burden um, is increasing. They are wanting to um, automate more to get better insight on their business risks and, uh, and on their financial situation, right? So they're investing in products that we have around operational risk management around um, corporate financial performance management. Um, you know, audit is, is uh, you know, of growing um, importance to companies, right? Again, to, to spot risk. So they're definitely, you know, consistent big trends. It's more than once you get into a specific market, how do you really lead in that market, you know, and make sure yeah. you're the winner. That's where I think the details come in. So as an information provider, Walter Clivers makes use of different types of technology. Which technology areas do you think are performing well? They have significant growth potential and which ones do you think are lagging behind in different markets? If you were to take like a holistic look. Do you mean which types of technology or which segments are using technology? Which technology areas? Which technology areas? I mean, I think, um, you know, just putting, creating, you know, technology enabled content like eBooks, you know, um, I think at one point uh, drove growth. And at at this point, I think that's fairly commodity. Um, I think what is more interesting is where you're able to put technology on top of that, like adaptive learning um, has certainly been um, a, a successful area that I think has a lot more potential in the education area. Uh, things like video, really um, interesting. And then AI, you know, definitely extremely um, interesting um, to, you know, just give people more insight on data. And, and that's mm-hmm. really, you know, I think one of the, the most um, interesting areas, right? There's so much data. And, and, you know, AI um, is, is coming along. It's, it's really finding those, that intersection um, between really how to use AI to give people insight without them having to do a whole bunch of customized, uh, you know, um, programming or setup to, uh, to be able to find it. And, and that's certainly something we're very focused on. Right. So Catherine, what's one thing that you like about your current role? If you were to pick just one thing, what would it be? I really love figuring out what drives customers and then delivering it to them. It's, um, it's what's driven me, honestly, since college. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's what motivated me to get into, into this kind of role. And, um, you know, it's kind of what drives me every day and gets me excited about my job. Right. And what's lastly, Catherine, what's one piece of advice you would give to a person entering the global growth business segment? 
I would say um, be curious. And, and I would say, you know, there are kind of three things about that. One is, um, you know, don't kind of be aware, wary of assumptions you might have about a country or a culture. Really listen to what people have to say. Don't think because maybe you come from corporate headquarters, you know better. Often maybe, and especially with language barriers, right? People are trying to say something and it can be hard to maybe understand it the first time, but really listen because usually there's a really good point there. Um, and then, as I said before, no one expects you to know everything about their culture, but if you show openness and curiosity, it goes a huge way to building relationships with employees and customers, and that is the key to success. So that cultural barrier, that doesn't really go away, does it? I don't think so, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's really just, um, you know, uh, recognizing that it's that it's there, not not letting it be a barrier, I suppose, right? You know, mm -hmm. even within within a within a culture, within a country, we're not all the same, right? It's uh, it's not letting it be a barrier, and 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 uh, you know, kind of treating it as a conversation point. Right, right. Well, thank you, Catherine. That wraps up our episode. Great, Amna. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. Yes. So just Catherine, just before we hop off on the call. So you did send across the headshot, but I request if you can send like one or two more options that I can send to the design team and they'll see which one works better. Okay. Um, yes, I think um, we'll, we'll have to um, go back to the person who's got the original one um, and see uh, what other ones. Do you mean a different picture or different resolution? A different picture. Okay. We might have some other ones. Yeah, okay. Eric, I'll have to ask Caroline. I'm not sure if they're, they're old, I think. Right, and I was just discussing with Erica earlier. So this podcast will be live somewhere between mid-May to end of May, and I'll be in touch with you then when it goes live. Okay, terrific. Thank you so much. Right. It was great speaking with you. Great, thank you. Thank you, bye. Okay.